Come on, take your mind off of yourself. Put it on God. I just called out your name. Stop thinking about your problems. Start focusing on your problem solving. I just called out your hallelujah on today it is the highest praise and you are worthy of our highest praise you've been a good God 
in ugly circumstances, you've been a good God. When we faced uncertain futures, you were a good God. In the midst of trial and problems, you've been a good God. And God, we say thank you. Thank you for giving us something worth fighting for. Thank you. Thank you for saving us and using us. Thank you. Thank you for looking beyond our faults and meeting every one of our needs. Thank you. Thank you for using us in spite of us. Thank you. For creating us a clean heart. And not holding our sins against us, but washing away all of our sins. Thank you now, oh God. We ask now, God, that as we break the bread of life, you will continue to speak to us in this place. And as we celebrate your manservant, we are also celebrating you and all that you have done in his life and in the life of this church. Thank you. Encourage us now for the road ahead. Strengthen us for the work to be done. And use this word to build us up. Forgive your servant's sins for their many. We don't want anything to get in the way of what you have to say to us on today. Not my words, but your words. Not my face, but your face. Not my people, but your people. And when it's all said and done, you will get glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. We serve a good God. This is the day that the Lord has made. I don't know about you, but I will rejoice and be glad in it. We are thankful and grateful for this opportunity to declare God's word to you and to celebrate the angel of this house and the person of Dr. D.Z. Cofield. Come on, let's thank God for him on today. Sorry, you might have to turn my mic up. I said, let's thank God for the angel of this house, the one who prays for you, preaches to you, helps you, raise bell money for you. Come on, you ought to never get tired of giving God praise. For this servant of God, we thank him for his friendship and all that he has meant to the kingdom. You know, I know quite a few pastors, and there are a lot of pastors who, who they, they preach well, uh, and they even they pastor well. Uh, but they're not fun to be around. In fact, I'll go to their church, but I ain't going to do any much more than that because they look good and they act good in church, but they're just not fun to be around. I thank God for Pastor Colefield because he's a powerful preacher, a prophetic pastor, and he's also just a cool dude. Wonderful to hang around. I thank God for his friendship. Amen. And what he has been able to input into my life, we traveled to Cuba together and had a wonderful time and we look forward to how God is going to continue uh, to grow us closer together. Amen. And we thank God for his wonderful wife, Tori. Amen. On today, we thank God for her. A wonderful spirit, beautiful soul. And we look forward to how God is going to continue uh, to use her. Amen. And thank God for each and every one of you. Mount Lebanon, some people from Mount Lebanon came with me. Mount Lebanon, stand up. So we can see where you are. We thank God they traveled. They're here 
bright and early for the 10 o'clock service. Uh, asked that they were gonna make it to the eight o'clock, but apparently Saturday night shenanigans kept them <laughs> from making the eight o'clock. But we thank God for them on today. We thank God for each and every one of you. Uh, look at your neighbor and say, you look good on this morning. Amen. You got to encourage them. Don't know how you're going to look on tomorrow, but thank God. You look good on this morning. Amen. I came ready to preach. Uh, the pastor messed me up. I didn't know Brian Courtney Wilson would be here before me. So y'all need to give me a minute to get myself together. Thank you for your ministry, sir, has helped me personally in some dark places in my life. So thank you, and I bless you on today. There is a word from the Lord on today. We are here to encourage your pastor, but we also want to encourage you. God has brought him 25 years in ministry in this particular house, but we thank God because he also brought you and used you in those 25 years. Because a good leader need good follower leaders. So we thank God for you. So as we encourage him, we want to encourage you on today. So turn with me to the gospel of Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start at verse 14. We're going to go a different route, but the Lord told me move this way. So I'm going to listen to the Lord. Matthew 5, chapter 14, when you found it, jump up and say, I got it. If you don't have it, say, hold on. Now, if you find yourself flipping through Psalms, still looking for it, I'm going to let you know Bible study is, I'm going to check the website and make your way to Bible study. <laughs> Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 14, I'll be reading from the New International Version, and it reads like this, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, and neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And this is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Look to your neighbor. I need your help preaching this on today. Look to your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. stay lit. Stay lit. <laughs> they, they didn't hear you. Look to your other neighbor. They, they, they think about some other lit. Look to your other neighbor and say, <laughs> say neighbor, neighbor, stay lit. <laughs> we serve a dirty God. When it comes to the affairs of humanity, God is always willing to get dirty. We see it in creation. God created the heavens and the earth, the seas and the stars, and the creatures that roam the land and the sea. God created everything in existence with the power of his word, but when it came time to create humanity, God stooped into the dirt, dug up the dirt with his hands, and after he shaped us, he put his lips to that dirt and breathed the breath of life into us. Because when it comes to the affairs of humanity, God is always willing to get dirty. God, we see it in incarnation. When 
God decides to step into humanity, we see he wraps his divinity in the filth of flesh. Christ shows up cloaked in the filth of flesh. For the word says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. God comes through the womb of a woman and all the fluids and mess that that entails to show us that when it comes to the affairs of humanity, God is always willing to get dirty. We see it when it came time for our salvation. Crucifixion shows us just how dirty God is willing to get in order to save people like us. The blood that trickles from his torn flesh mixed with the sweat and tears gives us a picture of how dirty crucifixion actually was. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. This filthy scene of a bloodied, tortured, hanging Savior is a reminder to us that we serve a dirty God. And if God is willing to get so dirty for us, what makes us think that ministry ought always be clean? cross is a reminder to us that as followers of Christ, ministry can be messy. But so many churches are content with sanitized worship and pristine self-centered theology and we forget that authentic ministry is not about the sanctity of our piety or about uh, what we're willing to do in our praise, but really our worship is really about getting in the mess and maya of everyday ministry. You can't stay clean in real ministry. You can't be sterilized doing God's work. No, ministry gets messy. Ministry calls us to get into the mess of speaking truth to power. Ministry calls us into the mess of liberating captives. Ministry calls us into the mess of speaking sanity to an insane world. Ministry gets messy. Ministry calls us and to places we probably would rather not go. Ministry gets messy because it calls us to speak to people and a media who is willing to get into celebrity gossip and the antics of a reality president while not talking enough about the actions of this messed up administration that hits us every day. Ministry calls us into a place where we got to speak to people and tell them, for God we live and for God we die. Ministry can get messy, and I can't hang around you if your God is too sterilized. Because a sterilized God promotes a sterilized ministry, and a sterilized ministry is impotent ministry. Ministry ought to be messy. And that's why we thank God for Reverend Cofield, because even in the mess of ministry, he kept on doing what God has called him to do. And no matter how messy it got, he kept proclaiming God's word. 
by helping the don, downtrodden, by looking out for people who others turn their back on, by lifting up those whom society has cast aside. He didn't just stand behind this desk and preach the gospel. That would be good enough. But when he got from behind this desk, he went into a messy world to declaim the goodness of God. Ministry is messy because we serve a dirty God. And don't you ever get so caught up in the messiness of ministry that you want to walk away from the ministry itself. Amen. The trials and hurts of life may tempt you to think that following Christ is not worth it. It may make you think that the mess of ministry is too much to take. But don't you dare walk away from a messy ministry because on the other side, God will bring glory to his name and his name alone. There'll always be a temptation to walk away from the mess of ministry. And when I say ministry, I'm talking to Pastor Cofield and to you because all of us are called to the ministry of the gospel. There is the priesthood of all believers, and all of us are called to be a priesthood in this body. Look, look at somebody and say, you have a, a calling on your life. And that doesn't mean you have to get behind the desk and preach. I don't want everybody coming to tell pastor they got a call to preach. That, if that's it, fine. But, but even if you don't preach, you've got ministry. If, even if you don't stand behind this desk, you have ministry. And ministry can get so messy, you may want to walk away. But don't you dare walk away from the mess of ministry. A survey was taken in the California-based Schaefer Institute that deals with church leadership and they've shown that 40% of clergy leave because of burnout. 40% of clergy don't even make it in the first five years because ministry is too messy. The New York Times did an article on the members of clergy, and they say that we now suffer from obesity and hypertension and depression at rates higher than most Americans. And in the last decade, Clergy have used more antidepressants than they've done in the last quarter of a century because ministry gets messy. We're called to speak life and hope to people when at times it's even hard to see it for ourselves. Walter Brueggemann once said that good preaching must speak truth to which the preacher's own life does not always attest. And sometimes we have to preach hope when it's hard for us to find hope ourselves. Ministry can get messy. But the word for all of us today is, is that when following Christ gets difficult and messy, remember the one who has called you, saved you, and defined you. Here in our text, Jesus Christ is talking to the disciples and all those who would listen, and he's trying to help them to understand that in this life there will be trials. And, but in the midst of it all, you are blessed. And he wants to get them ready for the mess that they're going to encounter because they follow him. So he tells them, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets, they will persecute you. He was trying to get them ready for what was going to happen. Jesus knew that ministry could get ugly. And here he tells his disciples and all those that want to listen, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. 
You are the essential element in helping others see that God is ushering in God's kingdom. You are the ones that God has decided to use. And even in those times when the weight and mess of ministry seem to press you down, don't lose your flavor and don't you dare dim your light. Look at somebody and say, stay lit. We live in a world that tries to take away our light and make us walk away from the mess of ministry. But God wants you to know that there's something worth fighting for. And even in the mess of ministry, you've got to stay strong. Even in the mess of ministry, God has a calling on your life. Even in the mess of ministry, God is willing and able to keep you if you want to be kept. Whenever you are tempted to walk away, whenever you are tempted to turn your back on God and God's church, you need to look at this text because this text will remind you that your mission has been defined. Here in our text, we are not hearing the words of Paul to the disciples. No, it is Jesus himself helping them to understand what their ministry is about. There will be others who will try to dissuade them from calling on the name of Jesus. There will be others that will come after, that will try to confuse them as to what the gospel is. But Jesus wants them to know that I'm giving you your marching orders now so that whoever comes after me and says something different from me, don't you listen to them. They don't define you. They don't define your ministry I am the one that defines it you are the light of the world and I don't know who I'm talking to because there are always people who will try to tell you what God told them to tell you and they will try to dissuade you or distract you from what God has called you to do and don't you ever get confused as who is the foundation of your ministry Jesus Christ is the foundation the architect and the builder of your ministry I'm trying to help you here because you, you got to watch out for people you say God told me to tell you I, I, I get nervous because usually I, I know I have a relationship with God too and I know if God wants to speak to me God can speak to me so I don't know why God would speak to you and not speak to me so the only thing you could do is confirm what God has already said to me because Jesus is the one that helps me and, and I know I look forward to those people who God uses to confirm a word he's given to you but don't listen to anybody bringing something new that God has not told you God Jesus Christ gives you your marching orders and since Jesus Christ has defined our ministry Jesus defines what success is don't get caught up in trying to get people to know your name. Ministry is not about who knows your name in the church. Ministry is not about people patting you on your back. Ministry is not about you getting special seating. Ministry is not about you. No, ministry is about Jesus Christ because sometimes what is success to others is failure to God. Never get so caught up that you try to placate and please other people and you disappoint God. I'm trying to help somebody on today. Because people will always try to define you. I, I told the 8 o'clock service about the time that I, I received a gift 
when I was uh, started pastoring, someone gave me a gift, and it was a candy dish. And, and Pastor Cofield, I was thankful for my candy dish. They gave me a candy dish, and I put it on my desk because my grandmother taught me whenever somebody gives you something nice, you say thank you, and you show appreciation. So I took that candy dish and put it on my desk, and I was grateful for the candy dish. A couple of days later, I had some financial investors or, or advisors come in because I wanted to be a good steward over God's resources, both personal and for the church. So they came in to advise me on some financial matters, and it was a man and a woman, and a woman looked on my desk and said, Pastor, we see you have good taste, so we're going to make sure we give you good advice. <laughs> Stood a little bit taller. And I said, I, you're right, I do have good taste, but, but what makes you say that? She said, I see the piece on your desk. And I, and I looked at the candy dish. I said, oh, that? She said, yes, that piece. She, she put it in her hands, held it delicately, and looked closer. And she said, yes, I, I knew it. This, she said, this is a Tiffany's piece. And she showed me the little insignia on the candy dish. And, and, and now what I thought was just a candy dish had value based on that little insignia. You, you see, the cross has made an imprint on your life. And people will try to define you based on your history, who you used to be what you used to do but once the cross has come into your life it has redefined who you are and what you do and don't you dare lower yourself to please other people but God has elevated you to do his work to do his job is there anybody here who can give God praise for being redefined by the cross of Jesus Christ You have the power to stay lit when you realize that your ministry is not defined by other people, but is defined by Jesus Christ himself. And when you are tempted to walk away, you also need to know that you are not in this by yourself. Somebody say connected. Jesus says you are the light of the world. Now, when I looked into the Greek, that word light in the Greek literally is plural. It comes out singular in English, but in the Greek, it's plural. So really, it should read, you are the lights of the world. See, see, so many times we get so focused on the individual that we forget we are not in this by ourselves. The, you, you are the light as the body of Christ. You are the light, not just individual lights, but what makes you the light is when you connect to somebody else so that you're not doing this ministry all by yourself, but you need somebody to help you. We, we, we see this in the Old Testament when in Isaiah, uh, the word comes to the people and he says, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations. It, the people of God have always been a light. And Jesus Christ is telling those believers, you too are the light and a world filled with darkness. You connect to your brother and your sister. You can make it if you stay connected. And we've got to stop trying to do this ministry on our own thing. You can't do God's work by yourself. And I know some of you don't agree with me. You say, and like the songwriter said, you can have this old world. Just give me Jesus. 
and you're just grateful for Jesus all by himself. And that, that sounds good, but that's not biblical. The Bible is clear that if you're going to be in this community and doing God's work, you need to be connected to somebody else. God said himself, it is not good for man to be alone. The Bible says that two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is by himself. For when he falls, there is no one to pick him up. The Bible says that when God has your back, one could chase a thousand, but two can put 10,000 to flight. The Bible says, even when Jesus said, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there will I be in the midst. Relationship is so important that even when God shows up, God doesn't show up by himself, but God shows up in relationship. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And if Jesus comes and picks 12 people to do this, work with him what makes you think you can do it all no we need one another look at somebody and say I need you <laughs> and sometimes people want to walk away from the church because they don't like people in the church they can't deal with it. they say they say they got hypocrites in the church and you know what they do they got hypocrites in the church but they got hypocrites on your job and you still go to work. They got hypocrites in school and you still going after that degree. They got hypocrites in the club and you still drop it like it's hot. And don't act like you don't. You can act all sanctified and sedity if you want. I saw you in the club dropping it while it was, I was there. I saw you. And if we can deal with them every place else, we can come into the house of God where we are all stumbling and broken. But God takes us in the midst of our mess and builds us up so that he can use us. God wants to use you and don't you let the messiness of relationship get in the way. And when you come into the house of God, you, it may seem like everybody's perfect, but we all got to struggle. The person sitting next to you, they look good, but they got a struggle. <laughs> this reminds me, I make this clear, let me say this. I, I remember watching ESPN one morning, and, and, and it was LeBron James. I'm a Knicks fan. Watch your mouth, watch your mouth. I'm a Knicks fan. Uh, but I was watching ESPN, and, and apparently LeBron James had a phenomenal game the night before. They showed all the shots he made. They showed all of his assists, his rebounds. He went off for like 40-something points. LeBron had a great game. Now, as I was looking at ESPN, I would have been confused if I did not know what a highlight reel was. See, in the highlight reel, they show everything that you do well. They show everything that you did to help your team win. But if I would have actually watched the game, I would have seen that LeBron did not have a perfect game. That while he had a good game, he had some mistakes. He had some turnovers. He missed some shots. See, when you come to church, all you see is the highlight reel. All you see is the good stuff people bring. You don't know that people have fallen short. You don't know that I barely got here this morning because I was dealing with my own mess. 
You don't know what people are going through. So don't come here thinking that everybody's perfect. No, all of us have had missteps and turnovers and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have been caught up in the mess. But thanks be to God for his grace and his mercy. He kept you. Give your neighbor a high five and say he will keep you. I know it's struggling, but he will keep you so that you don't look like what you've been through. You cannot do this by yourself. People get on your nerves in the church. Guess what? You get on somebody else's nerves. Let's come here and do God's work together. In the messiness of ministry, when it looks like you want to turn away, know that God has defined your ministry. And God has connected you to people who is willing to do the work with you, even when they get on your nerves. And know that you have been lit. That the light you have comes from Jesus Christ himself. And since the light comes from God, you get no glory. That's what it says in the text, right? He says, you are the light of the world. The city set on the hill cannot be hidden. And he said... When you people see your good works, they'll see you, but they'll give glory to God because it is not your light that is shining. It is the light of God himself. God has lit you. And since God has lit you, no matter what the circumstances may bring, he will help you stay lit. I know it gets rough. I know the trials get hard. But if God is the one that has lit you, if God is the one that has burned that fire, if God is the one that has called you, if God is the one that has picked you up to do this work, don't think you can do it on your own strength. You need God's light to shine. And if he lit you, he will help you stay lit. Do I have a witness in this place? Somebody in here knows what it feels like to have people try to take out your light they try to make you walk away from ministry don't look at anybody look straight you know people can get on that last good nerve you have and if you depend on your own strength you will cuss somebody out but thanks be to God for his grace and mercy that when people start tap dancing on that last good nerve God will strengthen you and will keep you and will help your light to shine you just got to stay in the fight and not walk away. Somebody here could testify that there were moments when you wanted to walk away. But God sent somebody right on time to help you and keep you. Because no matter what you go through, we serve not just a creator, but he's a sustainer. I'm going to say this and I'm going to take my seat and you... We give God praise for creating us and calling us to ministry. But the one who creates you is also the one who sustains you. Circumstances and hardships will come your way. But the one who has called you is the one who will keep you. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. He who he began a good work in you is faithful unto its completion. We serve a faithful God. And if ever you doubt God's faithfulness, look at the person on your right side. And look at the person on your left side. They are testimonies to the faithfulness of God. 
God. You would not believe what they went through, but all they went through, God still brought them in the house of God to give them praise because God is faithful. Reminds me of the time when I took my daughter to the pet shop and she wanted to get a pet and she wanted to get a cat or a dog and I said, I don't have cat or dog money. So we went and got some fish. I had fish money. And she wanted to go get these African Nile catfish. It was beautiful black fish with a, with a gold trim and it was a beautiful fish. And a beautiful fish is an expensive fish. So I, I said, we can get one African Nile catfish. We took that African Nile catfish home, watched it swim around in a bowl. Then she got bored. She said, Daddy, I want some more fish. So we went back to the pet store, and I said, I don't have African Nile catfish. You got to get some other fish. So she got these Pictus catfish. They were pink and pale, weren't really pretty, but they were cheap. So we took these three, we bought three of them, took three, picked this catfish, put them in a bowl with the beautiful African Nile catfish with the beautiful fins, and she watched them, and she noticed something. The Pictus catfish started bullying the African Nile catfish. They were bullying it so much until it nipped at its fins, and it had no more had those beautiful flowing fins, just had nubs. And and no longer did it swim around the bowl, but it went down into the corner of the bowl while all the Pictus catfish used the bowl for themselves. Well, I was getting my daughter ready for that African Nile catfish to die. I was telling her about death and teaching her about death, and we were getting ready for the African Nile catfish to die. Then one morning we came, and it was one Pictus catfish floating at the top of the bowl. Got the net, put the Pictus catfish in the toilet, but that African Nile catfish was still swimming at the bottom of the bowl with its nubs. Two days later, went back to the bowl. The second Pictus catfish was floating at the top of the bowl. Put it in the toilet, and that African Nile catfish was still swimming at the bottom of the bowl with its nubs. After a whole week, the third Pictus catfish was swimming at the top of the bowl, floating dead, put it in the toilet, and still remain the African Nile catfish, still swimming at the bottom of the bowl with his nubs. Y'all ought to get that, because no matter what the enemy does to you, God will keep you. No matter what the enemy thought he could do to you, God will keep you. And that's just not the shouting moment. Remember the beautiful fins that the Nile fish had. Well, about two weeks later, those nubs began to sprout out some more beautiful fins so that it was restored to what it used to be. And I don't know who I'm talking to, but whatever the enemy has tried to do, he tried to make you walk away from ministry. He tried to make you turn away from God. But whatever the enemy has done, God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we ask or think. So when ministry gets messy, just keep your eyes on Jesus and Jesus will help help you to see what to do when ministry gets messy they put him on a cross they hung him on a cross he bled it was messy they put a crown of thorns on his head it was messy they took a sword and put him in the side it was messy they put him in the ground he stayed there all Friday night he stayed there all Saturday but early Sunday morning he got up 
with all power in his hands. And because he got up, you can stay lit. Because he got up, you don't have to dim your light. Give your neighbor a high five and say, stay lit. No matter what comes your way, give it to Jesus. If there's a mountain, he can move it. If there's a burden, he can lift it. If there's a yoke, he can destroy it. If there's a problem, he can fix it. If there's a question, he can answer it. If there's a wrong, he can right it. If there's a mistake, he can correct it. And if there's a bill, he can pay it. If there's a tear, he can wipe it. If there's weakness, he can strengthen it. If there's oppression, he can liberate it. And if there's sin, his blood can wash it away. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me pure as snow. None other fount I know. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Give your neighbor a high five and say nothing but the blood will keep you. So stay lit when the enemy tries to take out your light. Stay lit. Point to Pastor Cofield and say, Pastor Cofield, stay lit. Ministry gets messy, but stay lit. People get on your nerves, but stay lit. Tears may fall down your eyes, but he who began a good work in you is able and faithful to bring you to completion. Stay lit, my brother. Stay lit, my sister. God bless you.